It's time to get up and get going, South Coast. It's time for the Tim Weisberg Show on WBSM. Also streaming live on WBSM.com and on the WBSM app. Talk to Tim now at 508-996-0500 or send him a message or a voicemail through the WBSM app. And now, ready to start your day off with a bang. It's Tim Weisberg. Welcome back in. It is the third and final hour on Monday morning. And when it is the third and final hour on Monday morning, that's when it's going to be time for us to turn on the light with Jack Spillane of New Bedford Light. But before we do that, give me one second here. I'm going to cue it up and give you your Rolling Stones. There we go. Welcome in, Jack Spillane. Call us for New Bedford Light. Let's shine some light. And, uh, well, that's the thing is, you know, a week ago, pretty much right after you left the studio here, the news broke that uh, you were the first to, to report it up at newbedfordlight.org. But the news broke that the UMass Dartmouth College of Visual Performing Arts was not going to be at the Star Store campus this year going forward. A huge shock to everyone, considering this had become a staple of downtown New Bedford. In what kind of universe, midway through August, when kids are trying to plan their their lives, they're halfway through their, their careers, they're entering for the first time, do you announce in mid-August that the school they thought they were going to is not that, and they're going to um, uh, another school that doesn't have the facilities? Uh, uh, interesting fact, um, of the kilns that the ceramic students need, three-quarters of them are not going back to UMass Dartmouth, the uh, students tell me. That only the smallest, most portable ones, so the big ones, you know, to, to do different things are not going back. Um, I, I'm just, I, I can't remember a story that has happened in my 24 years here that I thought was more disappointing for the city of New Bedford to have to endure this. Uh, I know that there's um, conventional wisdom that Boston always neglects uh, southeastern Massachusetts. I agree with that. But this, I felt, was just a low point uh, for that school, for people like Senator Montigny and a succession of mayors to work so hard to bring that school, to have it flower in downtown New Bedford, to have it indisputably a key to the economic development of the downtown, the redevelopment, and to have it end this way mid-August with a, a, a release of a letter saying, oh, by the way, we're going back to the campus in two weeks. I just thought it was disgraceful. Well, the interesting thing about the timing is let, let's break that down. So as you're pointing out, you know, this announcement is made just weeks before the semester begins. It's made about a week and a half after the, right? Or does budget, that work say out? Budget. Does that work out? Was it a week and a half? A or little, was it a little half bit a less than that, but, but, but about that. Okay. Is it, then the, the budget was revealed, but also it was taken out of the budget much earlier than that. So this was known that it wasn't going to be part of the budget, but they just didn't tell anybody. Yeah. I, I, it was hard to know um, what exactly happened. I, I've, I've spread, spread blame around because I feel like everybody was responsible for letting this get out of control. But the biggest villain is certainly UMass and Marty Meehan. But uh, it looks like a bluffing game might have been going on where you had the university on one side saying, we won't buy the building for a dollar unless you put the, the um, 
money in the budget to, to lease it for another year. Uh, there was $30 million in bonding authority, and they were saying, we won't put it in, we won't buy it unless you put the $30 million in. As I understand it, the legislatures were saying, we're not putting it in unless you buy it for a dollar. And um, uh, it was in the House side of the budget, although the prior year it was in the Senate side, but not the House side. And uh, it was taken out sometime mid-year. And um, uh, finally, UMass Dartmouth got around to saying they would exercise the, the, the buy it for a dollar option, but it was not within the time limit that the contract set to allow the developer, Paul Downey, to um, object to that. He had to be notified by a certain point, as I understand it. I'm, I'm having this explained to me, uh, you know, reading the contract is in legalese. But, um, so he objected to it, and it's not gone through. So then, uh, as you say, a week and a half after the budget doesn't have this in there, uh, uh, they, they say we're, we're leaving. Now, you could say um, after Downey objected to it, they could have put it back in the budget. But from their perspective, the debt service for which this payment, this annual payment of $2.7 million, I think about $400,000 goes to UMass Dartmouth for maintenance, the rest to Downey. It was originally to all the money he put into the building to, to reconfigure it as a arts campus. It went to pay his debt service. But as I understand it, that debt service was over in 2021. And so the last two years, it was being labeled as rent uh, for the university to him. Why are you paying $2.3 million a year for rent when you could have it for a dollar? So uh, evidently, you know, you could argue it should have been put in back in after Downey made the objection. Uh, You know, I I don't know. I tried to get at that in the column by saying it looks like Montigny was playing a game of bluff, like, you know, put, you know, you buy this for a dollar. But since he objected to it, why not put the money back in at least for a, a year or two and try to renegotiate from there, which I hope is going on now. It, you know, um, I can see Donnie's point that he still controls the building. He wants to get paid rent. It's harder for me to see UMass's point that why they didn't exercise the option to pay for a dollar. The first time they had the option before 2021, they said that DCAM, the Division of Capital Asset Management, and the Mass, the, the UMass Building Authority wouldn't let them because the maintenance on it was too expensive and they would lose money. Uh, you know, Montigny's office responds that, well, no other university in the state university system gets... Uh, a money specifically for one single building. UMass says, well, this is an expensive building. You, got, you guys got to work this out, you know, and they couldn't work it out. And now what is indisputably uh, a key to not only the economic revival, but just the, the ambience, the nature of the downtown, the personality of downtown New Bedford being in an arts mecca in the last 10, 15 years it be, has become known nationwide as one of the best small art cities in the country, and you're endangering all that for what? For, 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 for what? You know, over arguing over dollars and cents, which really, I mean, Marty Meehan paid $75 million for the Mount Ida campus. I don't know, pay, I don't know what the downtown stock store is worth, certainly not $75 million. Maybe it's worth $10 million. Pay Downey off. Like, you know, it's kind of, uh, 
unseemly to have to pay him off when you could have had it for a dollar. Right. But but the whole thing is a mess, in my opinion. And when he he paid a dollar for the building, um, the so we we can get into what the future of that building may be. Uh, but the thing that uh, Senator Montigny pointed out, by the way, Senator Montigny will be on with Chris and Marcus yeah, today on South Coast I Now. that's great. But um, one of the things he pointed out is that they were supposed to have a, a fund that was funded every year that UMass Dartmouth was supposed to be putting money into to help with the maintenance of that building. And they weren't doing their part to take care of that building. So, as I understand it, it's a little bit of a he said, he said on that, because I asked, uh, when I learned about that, I asked UMass Dartmouth about it, and what they said was, and I don't have the numbers right in front of me, so I'm just reciting them from memory, but but they were taking about $415,000 out of the $2.7 million uh, annual payment, uh, which, which brought Downey's amount down to $2.3 million or whatever it was. Uh, for maintenance, but uh, the maintenance costs were actually four hundred and fifty thousand. So four hundred and fifteen to four fifty, they were losing money. And they also seemed to make a distinction between what they were calling common maintenance and long, and I, I guess longer term maintenance. Like common maintenance is, you know, cleaning the building, yeah, making replacing sure, light bulbs, and- yeah, making sure that the light bulbs are replaced or that what, you know minor repairs to equipment is is done. Major uh, repairing, I, I would think, is more like, you know, does the roof need to be repaired? Do, do you need to do the HVAC system? I think there is $8 million that was approved for the HVAC system. I, I think I heard that somewhere in my reporting. But um, so, but it's a, it's, it's a back and forth, and that's what really led me to believe that it really is the university system that is behind this. A couple of reasons. Number one, the artists tell me that they have not been replacing faculty, you know, and they have been bringing programs back to the main campus for some time now. Um, all the while, they're still accepting art students. The artists c- claim that they're not going to the craft sphere to the recruit these students. There's also been all this talk about the Mount, Mount Ida programs. Marty Meehan bought Mount, Mount Ida College for $75 million. They were running um, contemporary design, I think um, fashion design, interior design there. And they brought those programs, uh, uh, I believe, to the downtown art studio, but certainly to UMass Dartmouth. And there's been a debate as to what is the um, proper role of a public university. You know, should we be doing fine arts that people can't get jobs in? Or should we be doing uh, more digital arts, interior design, fashion arts where people can get jobs in? I would point out that it's hard to get jobs in almost anything getting out of college now. So it's not as if one is, is, is pure and the other is not. But the fine arts, in my opinion, bring something to a community you know, everybody is going to be teaching digital arts and contemporary design nowadays. The fine arts bring something to a community that attracts uh, uh, a quality of life. It attracts our professional people to live in your community. It attracts um, uh, tourists. So I, I, I think you know, downtown New Bedford is now has won a hard-earned arts reputation, and we are willing to 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 to, to give this away. Because in, in two weeks before school starts, because two sides could not come to dollar agreement. That's the way I see it. Does the College of Visual, the College of Visual and Performing Arts need that entire building? Well, I don't know if they do at this point because the, the student enrollment is down. And people have made a lot of the student enrollment is down. But part of the reason the student enrollment is down is they're not replacing professors. They're not... They're not um, 
uh, recruiting. So uh, who who knows if they don't need the whole building? You could put other UMass programs in there. You could rent it out. You make a little money that way. You could. I mean, I know BCC for a while at least ran. Uh, some classes there. Uh, uh, there are any number of things you can do to supplement it if it's not full now and then ease that back out as it gets full again, you know, if, if it got full. I mean, just to, to pull the plug the way they did just looks to me like they want to get out. And and, and, they, and I've had people uh, in close to um, uh, uh, the president's office tell me that the, the, the university system is not about economic development anymore. It shouldn't have been a, about economic development. It's about being a research university and, 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 and bucking up your credentials on that. And that's where they're putting their effort, trying to attract all this private capital. I, I take issue with that. I think a public university should be a taxpayer-funded university. The, the state has underfunded its higher education system for a long time, and we see that again here. Uh, uh, in recent years, they've started to get a, a, lot, a little better, but for a long time, they were really underfunding it. So uh, I think this scheme that Mian has to to make it a research, you know, uh, you know, get all this big private capital, have them sponsor programs, I think it's ridiculous. And I, I, I think there's a lot of evidence. The way that Mian conducted himself at UMass Boston, where they, they, they got rid of a chancellor and they, they blamed the campus for uh, not funding their capital uh, budget and then the Pioneer Institute comes along and they do an investigation and they say, no, that's that's not what happened at all. It was bookkeeping in the university system's mistakes that made the mistake. And then they made the UMass Boston campus pay them back. I, I, I just think the, the, the state university system right now is being run terribly. And and I think that um, I think Meehan is an adroit politician and, and he seems to have outfoxed um, our local legislators. I, I, let me, don't get me wrong. I know Mike Montigny wants to save the Star School. I know Mayor Mitchell wants to save the Star School, but I, I, I just don't think they were keeping enough eye on it or, or something. Well, that was an interesting point that Senator Montigny had in his letter to Governor Healy, where he said, you know, it has become apparent that for the last few years, they hadn't been living up to their end of the bargain. So why did he wait till this point to as the person who was well, championing no, that, he did quite a bit. He, he, he I mean, there, there were negotiations that went on, and they, I mean, it was Montigny that came in and had Governor Baker last year um, extend the lease for two more years. Uh, in in twenty twenty one, he did this it last, and then the, the second lease expired um, when UMass didn't sign it the first time. Uh, so he, he, and they were under orders to sign it the second time, but they signed it within this. And I, it just looks to me like they probably knew that they were signing it within the, the time that Downey could could claim, make his claim again. Um, uh, uh, I should mention uh, for the mayor's part, my understanding is that the mayor um, wanted to be part of this process, and he has a terrible relationship with Montigny. Montigny has a terrible relationship with him. I'm not blaming it either way, but they just don't get along. I think there's too much um, egotism in our local politicians and too little working together, and I, I just think that. You know, I, 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 if this was my city, I'd be finding if one politician wouldn't work with me, I'd, I'd be checking out every other way to 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 see how can I do this. Um, and I, I don't know what this business is of, of I can't work with party A and you can't work with party B, even though we're representing the same constituency. Do you think that there's a way, any path that th there's classes in the star store in a couple of weeks? I, I, I hope so. 
I, I said in my column that I think Marty Meehan has more political muscle. He has a big base in Lowell. Uh, he was the chancellor at Lowell. A lot of money has gone into Lowell that has not gone into Boston and Dartmouth. Uh, Amherst and, and Lowell seem to be the campuses that he's most interested in. Um, I think he has more political power than either Montigny or Mitchell statewide. And so if you're Governor Healy, who, by the way, got $2,000 from Paul Downey in the last um, campaign, and you're looking at, oh, my goodness, what am I going to do about this? I got the people in New Bedford complaining. I got the chancellor from the president from Lowell, you know, wanting to go in this direction with the university. I got this developer who gave me a lot of money. I mean, how am I going to do this? I, I don't know. And also, we're at this late date. I'm, I'm told the students are heartbroken over there. They are being told to pack up your boxes. You're not even going to be able to, to um, go into them until the university decides where they're going to put them. They're not taking half the stuff with them. Uh, they've, they've, they've got things. I'm getting sent photos with tape up over everything. Rush, 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 get this done. Why is, I mean, the whole thing, to rush... And a, a university has been there 20 years, and that was five years in the making to get it there. All this rush, 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 let's pull the plug in one month. I, it just it, it, it betokens that they want to get out of there. Yeah. Well, we have to take a break. If you have any uh, thoughts or comments, you can give us a call, 508-996-0500. We'll be back in a few moments. Back with Jax Blaine. Let's take a quick call before we go into the newsroom. Good morning. You are on WBSM with Jax Blaine. Hey, Tim and Jack, how are you today? Good, how are you doing? Yeah, I know you guys are focused on the issue of this, the star building, et cetera, but, you know, you mentioned, Jack, about how you're not happy with how the the um, state school system is run, but it's funny that, you know, Marty Meehan is a, has $70 billion in net worth, and he's making 450000 a year uh, working in the school system. That doesn't even make sense when you think about it for a second. Um, he's someone that should be working on Wall Street or working in, you know, investment banking or someplace there where he's got influence. But, you know, there has to be a grift for him to work in this role. And, you know, coming out of being a, a politician and getting a choice job uh, as a chancellor to a school in Boston and then uh, and then moving from there, you know, why aren't there uh, people that are in higher education getting these roles? Why, why is it a politician is getting this role? Exactly. Um, I just want to stop you for a second. Uh, uh, where do you, do you, Marty Mean has seventy million in, in, in net worth. Where was where that from, and how could he possibly have earned that? I looked it up a couple of times this morning, but while you guys were talking, so unless everything on the uh, net worth uh, scales are wrong from different sources, uh, that's what it says. Wow. I mean, he could be in a lot of other. I mean, <laughs> I don't know. I, all I'm saying is, uh, I looked it up, and if I'm wrong, I'm wrong. But uh, it came from like three or four different sources online. So, okay, I mean, because he grew up middle class, as far as I know, and in, in in Lowell, he's worth seventy million dollars after being a politician and a university professor. I mean, university chancellor and president. Wow. Yeah, well, I mean, again, I you know maybe maybe that's worth taking a look at from your perspective because you're you're the journalist, I'm not. But um, either way. Um, I think that the the part of the problem I have with it isn't even his income or anything like that. It's you're putting politicians in roles to run the state school systems or be a chancellor where um, maybe that's handy when you're trying to negotiate for money. But on the other hand, what's best for the students? That's really what it should be about. Exactly. So, All right. Anyway, 
Thank you, you for the day. call. You have a good one. And uh, we are now going to go into the newsroom. When we come back on the other side, Jack, we can talk some more about this. We'll talk a little more city council as well, the story that just keeps on going. And uh, we'll take more of your calls at 508-996-0500. But right now, it is time to go into the newsroom with Adam Bass. 13 people are alive after the San Diego Fire Rescue Department's swift water crew saved them from fast-moving waters from the San Diego River. They were part of a homeless encampment in a dry riverbed that quickly filled up as tropical storm waters from Hillary moved through the region last night. Two people were treated for hypothermia. Kids in Los Angeles public schools are getting the day off, officials with the second largest school district in the country says. The move is being made out of an abundance of caution as Tropical Storm Hillary brings torrential rainfall to the region. Russia's first lunar mission since 1976 has crashed into the moon. The Roscosmos Space Agency says it lost contact with the Luna 25 space spacecraft late Saturday night and that the lunar lander spun out of control and crashed into the moon as it was preparing for a pre-landing orbit. In a statement, Roscosmos said the apparatus moved into an unpredictable orbit and ceased to exist as a result of collision with the surface on the moon. Luna 25 was scheduled to land on the moon's south pole tomorrow. Russia is in a space race with India, which is set to land an unmanned spacecraft on the moon on Wednesday. Washington Governor Jay Inslee says climate change is to blame for the wildfires that destroyed 200 homes near Spokane. Uh, Inslee visited the sites of the fires and said the world needs to take action to decarbonize. Inslee says they'll assess the damage as quickly as possible and get help to residents who lost their homes. A Miami rapper arrested on child abuse and battery charges. According to reports, the wife of 44-year-old Richard Morales, a.k.a. Gunplay, had asked him to be more quiet as he played Xbox in order not to disturb their six-month-old daughter. He claims he lost his cool and pointed a rifle at both of them. Gunplay was a member of the fellow local rapper Rick Ross's southern hip-hop group, Triple C's. He was also featured on the MTV reality show Love and Hip Hop Miami. And a superhero is replacing a doll at the top of the box office. Blue Beetle ended its four-week reign of Barbie, but not by much. The DC superhero film debuted debuted with an estimated $25 million, while Barbie took home an estimated $21 million in its fifth week of release. Both films are distributed by Warner Brothers. In sports, the Boston Red Sox completed a three-game sweep of the Yankees in New York with a come-from-behind 6-5 win yesterday. Today, they'll be traveling to Houston for a game against the Astros tonight at 8-10 p.m. And now, here's your ABC6 local weather forecast. We'll be looking at sunshine, mixing with a good deal of clouds through the afternoon. A warm and muggy day today with highs up around 86 degrees. Can't rule out the possibility of a late day shower or thunderstorm rolling into the area. And then mainly cloudy for tonight as lows drop back down to around 62. Still a little on the muggy side. But on Tuesday, we'll see plenty of sunshine, a little bit breezy and not quite as humid with high temperatures right around 77. Be sure to watch ABC6 for my full seven-day forecast. From the ABC6 Weather Center, I'm meteorologist Bill Guile on New Bedford's News Talk Station, 1420 WBSM. It is currently 71 degrees in New Bedford. 
I'm Adam Bass, WBSM News. Stay up to date with New Bedford's news talk station, WBSM, and get breaking news alerts and podcasts with the WBSM app. Tim wants to hear your voice this morning, even if you can't call in. Open up the WBSM app and hit open line to record a voicemail he can play on the air. Now, more Tim here on WBSM. And welcome back in. Say, listen, there's a lot of things that are going on all summer long. You've got barbecues. You've got family reunions. You've got parties. You've got even just everybody coming over to your house because you're, you're the one person in the family that has the in-ground swimming pool. No matter what it might be, the easy way to feed everybody and keep everybody happy is with Sunrise Bakery and Coffee Shop because you can head on over to Sunrise and you can get sandwiches that will make any crowd happy. You can get their amazing Caserla sandwiches, tuna sandwiches, linguisa and cheese rolls, any other sandwich you can imagine. They have them there. And... Of course, that Sunrise Bakery rice pudding, you want to make sure that you have that as well for dessert. That puts a smile on everybody's face. But it's not just either about the, the big get-togethers, because, of course, Sunrise can take care of those for you, even if it's just coming up with all the fresh-baked bread, the Portuguese pops, the Portuguese bread, and European pastries and things to put out on the table as part of those events. But it's also the place to go to get a delicious treat every day. They have their famous pastries, their muffins and donuts, all made fresh daily. Sunrise Bakery and Coffee Shop is ready to help you with your celebration or to just help you celebrate waking up and having another morning to get out there and exist. 506 Bolton Street in New Bedford. It's a sensational continental feel. That's Sunrise Bakery and Coffee Shops. And uh, Jack Spillane is here of New Be- from New Bedford Light. We were talking about his column about the Star Store Situation, and as we said, you know, you've you've placed most of the blame here at the feet of Marty Meehan for wanting to to pull out. So let's let's just say things don't change, and that we don't have uh, classes there. That they they continue with this plan to to pack everything up and get out of there. What do you see as the future of the Star Store building? As you said, it could take years to find somebody to move in there. But do you think that that is a, a could that could that be a place that becomes a a cornerstone of downtown New Bedford in a different way without the College of Visual Performing Arts there. Yeah, I think it'll take a long time. As I, as I said, 10 or 15 years. Um, uh, the mayor disagrees with me. He said if, if they really do leave, uh, uh, you know, uh, I don't think um, the mayor wants housing there. I think some people have proposed housing. I think um, he was... Representative Markey certainly Yeah, he, he would see something. And Markey's another person who's uh, uh, on the uh, contributor list from Mr. Downey. Uh, I think um, uh, contributed list rather. I think um, uh, Noah is, is something that's been brought up. You know, uh, you could put that in. Um, we don't even have Noah yet, and I think it's a big lift to get Noah out of Gloucester and and um, Woods Hole. Uh, you know, I, I, my, my position is that no, if it's, if, it's, if it's gone back to Dartmouth for a year, next year it should come back to, to, to New Bedford. We are not giving up. The, the Arts College in downtown New Bedford. It is the soul of the city. It has what has made the new New Bedford, the new New Bedford. We're bringing it back. So that's my position. There's nothing that could be as good as the Arts College. Now, if, if the enrollment is down because of the way they've, they've run it the last um, few years or so, stuff, you may have to, to supplement it with some other university programs, rent it out for some other programs. If you, know, if, if you can, uh, BCC is in there, I, I believe. I think the work, uh, there's a workers program in there. Um, 
my, my position is, is is bring back the star store to, to downtown New Bedford. Well, it was it was the the key to revitalizing downtown for sure. But some would look at it and say, "Well, downtown is revitalized now. Do you do you need it to keep what, oh, oh, what so has been built downtown so, so going?" Let's unplug it and have downtown go downhill again until ten years when we can find something else well, to put in that big building. Would one hundred and sixteen students really pull the plug on downtown? Yeah. So I think I've explained why there's one hundred and sixteen students there. They brought courses back. They haven't been doing recruiting, you know, and you can do supplemental things. But what in if there. they do all that and they don't get more than one hundred and sixteen students? That's a big hypothetical. I think, you know, uh, I know you're playing devil's advocate here, but I think that, that the arts campus in downtown New Bedford is cities the size of New Bedford who have a university. I'm not talking about a junior college, who have a vibrant university with all that means in terms of arts and sciences are the, are the kinds of places that uh, people want to be and people want to invest in, whether it's restaurants, shops, uh, museums, galleries, you name it. So I don't think that there's anything. I, th I think people who say, and I think Chris Markey has said this a little bit, it, it served its purpose and now let's go on to something else. We don't even know what something else is yet, but we're saying now let's go on to something else. I don't think it served its purpose. I think that the artists continue to be a really inescapably important ingredient in downtown New Bedford. And people who don't think that this is catastrophic, I think are wrong. Well, what do you think is... Well, how would you describe recruiting? If you think that they need to do recruiting to get more students into the CVPA, what would what is recruiting? Is that is that going to a kid that wants to be you know a plumber and saying I think you'd be a great artist, or is that going to somebody who wants to go to RISD and say you should come well, to UMass I, Dartmouth I, I, instead? I, I, I don't think I'm the issue here, and I don't think that that, that recruiting. No, I'm not. Is, I'm not. Is, I mean, I, I, I'm not. I'm a journalist. You know, I'm I'm a reporter and an, an opinion columnist. That's that's who I am. I'm not a recruiter. Yeah, you know, I don't no, know. No, but I'm asking you like the, what 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 do they have to do? Like what what do you think that recruiting involves? What what do you feel like they aren't doing that they could be doing? Well, I, I mean, I can tell you what I'm told is mm -hmm. that, that they haven't, you know, and again, it could be he said he said, but the university hasn't responded to that. Uh uh that they haven't gone out to the craft spheres to to get people that that they are not aggressively so it, recruiting because they don't think that this program is a money maker for them or is a the kind of thing that that would um uh give kids employable skills i think that those are legitimate discussions but i think you can run both i think you can run a fine arts uh, component of your art school and a contemporary design pro component and a um, digital design component. I think you can have it, ha ha have all that. I just think you have to budget wisely. I think you have to not waste money like the seventy-five million on my, Mount Ida College. You know, I, I think that it's all about your priorities. So, and again, I know I'm asking you to make inferences based on on what these students have told you, but it sounds like what they need to do is they just need to convince the people that want to go into these programs that the UMass program is as viable as some of these other schools that they might be looking at. That if, if they have people who want to go off and be artists, they want to show them that this is, this is the place to be. And this should be, this should be kind of the crown jewel for that to say, look at this great campus that you get to come to, to, to be able to study. This. Yeah. I think, I think that's all doable. I mean, one of the greatest, um, 
music schools in the country is in uh, uh, southern Kentucky, of all places, and it's a public university. And they just decided that music was going to be our thing, and they put a lot of money into it. They, uh, they, they do a nationally um, broadcast concert every Christmas. I, I forget the name of the school, but, but it's a public university. I mean, public universities do all kinds of things. I mean, you, you know, uh, it, it just depends on your investment and what one, of, one of the suggestions that uh, Councillor Gomes had was he, he's trying to get uh, Berkeley to have a campus in New Bedford. Sure. And he had talked about that being a, a building where they could bring that into, into play. Right. I don't think you're going to get... I mean, that's not... As, a, as, a, as a both... both yeah, that's not a bad building. idea. If, if, if Berkeley had some interest, uh, uh, it's not going to happen next year. Mm-hmm. And I don't see any reason to pull the plug on the art school, you know, even though it may have gotten smaller, you know, to just pull the plug on it without anything else to, to, going in there. You know, I, I, I don't think the equation is what's best for a local business person, what's, what's best for people who may want to make money, you know, uh, uh, you know, on the, this was a university that was paid for over the last twenty years with millions of dollars of public investment, and 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 just astonishingly, the university did not exercise its option to have it for a dollar because they thought it would be too expensive to maintain, even even though the state legislators told them we'll give you the money to maintain it. It sounded like from Chancellor Fuller's letter to the UMass community. Uh, the way he described it, it you know, it, it sounded like you could walk into this place and fall through the floor. He was talking about, you know, the safety and the, have, the safety have, of the have students. Have you been in it recently? No. That building is in darn good shape. You know, I mean, I, I don't know that it doesn't need a, a new HVAC system or it doesn't need a new roof or, or this or that. No one's falling through the floor at UMass Dartmouth. That's solidly rebuilt. It's just wonderful building up on the upper floor, spectacular views of the harbor, you know. Other people, you know, as real estate begins to increase, that's another ingredient here, is the value of real estate has begun to increase in New Bedford. And people are looking at that building as I can make money on that, mm-hmm. you know. And so what has been paid by the taxpayers of Massachusetts for the last 20 years, you know, people are looking at I, I can make money on that. I mean, I mean, Paul Downey got what he, what he agreed to, what, what, what was agreed to give, give him in this agreement. And now he's looking for a loophole. I mean, this is a, this is a local guy who grew up here. Now he's looking for a loophole to, 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 to keep the university from coming back in. And it looks like the university doesn't want to come back in to begin with. Well, he's made $40 million off of it, you know, depending Depends, on the, yeah, the cost I mean, of uh, maintaining uh, and all I that mean, stuff. Yeah, yeah. Uh, the total amount that, that went to the lease payments, I was... Uh, I, the numbers I saw was $63 million. Again, 415000 of that was taken out for maintenance every year. And there was some dispute as to who did maintenance and who didn't make, did not do maintenance. As I saw, there, UMass is using this term called common maintenance. And so I don't know whether that's different from deferred maintenance and maintenance that, you know, big project maintenance that didn't get done. Well, let's take this quick call really quickly and then we got to take a break. Good morning. You were on with Jack Spillane. Hello. Hi, quick call. I, I hate to see it go. I think that it's. Um, I think it's an important part of downtown. I think it's an important part of the art scene. Um, I don't know if like it would work with um, maybe some mis- uh, mixed use and actually have some apartments that would help defer the cost. And you could rent those apartments to like artists. They could have like their um, studios there, but they would be paying customers. Um, I have no idea if that's something that would be possible, but I can like envision like little shops. Um, that would sell some of the things, as well as having that that beautiful um, first floor for display and such. 
Yeah, I, th- I think mixed use is a, is a possibility, certainly for a while while the enrollment is down. If, you, if you've been in the building, the first floor is gallery and meeting spaces. And then mm-hmm. the up, upper floors, you know, there are different art programs, whether it's painting, printmaking, loom uh, weaving, um, mm-hmm. uh, ceramics, sculpture. So different floors have different things. Um, right. So I, I think housing is a is a challenging mix. Yeah, people in and out, maybe offices of some sort. Like an artist in residence. Yeah. You know, you could have a few artists in residence and, you know, people, I'm trying to think of something that might generate a little bit of revenue. Sure. Um, But I think that it would be a shame to let um, UMass uh, give that part up because I think those are little, like, quirky things make New Bedford what it is. Yes. Um, And I think that we should cherish those things. Yeah, and I think, I think if you're trying to solve the problem, you can solve the problem. But if you don't want, if the university doesn't want to be there, then it's hard to solve the problem because they're just always going to look for this excuse or that excuse not to be there. Well, so so many times this area is overlooked as being like the armpit or whatever, and I think that like it's about time we made some noise and said no. Like if you know if Boston can get things and other places can get things. This area, Greater New Bedford, deserves its fair share of the pie. Absolutely. All right. Well, thank okay. you for the call. You okay. have a good okay. day. And uh, we can take some more of your calls, 508-996-0500. But right now, got to take a break. All right. Welcome back in. And, of course, Jack's going to be here on Friday. He's going to be filling in for me when I'm in Michigan. Yes. Uh, I'm hoping to get some of the, the UMass kids on uh, or whatever. I don't know if they, if they do AM radio, but we'll, we'll give it a try. Wait, you want to get college-aged <laughs> art students on between 6 a.m. and 9 a.m.? <laughs> Maybe 8 and 9. <laughs> Maybe like 8.45. And that's only if you call them four or five times to wake them up. I'm just teasing. I'm just teasing. Uh, so what, what else are you working on, Jack? I know that this story is obviously going to take a lot of your attention. Yeah, so I'm, I'm working on this story again this week, and I'm also working on... Um, uh, some things about New Bedford Parks, and um, I think I may go back and take another look at the term limits thing. Um, uh, uh, there haven't, hasn't been a lot of coverage yet about what went on at City Council last week, but my understanding is that the um, charter change, which is, I guess, what they've shifted from from the term limits for the council, um, also did not get on um, the uh, yeah. ballot for this November. Some uh, some interesting supposed legal hangups to the council being able to put it on the ballot. So, well, as I said. Um, changing a charter or, or, or enacting even an aspect of a charter term limits is complex stuff. You've really got to know the law. It, you can try to do it on your own, but I think you're best advised to get a, a lawyer to, to, to wade through that legalese. All right, why don't we take our final break of the hour? We'll be back in a few moments. And welcome back. We are turning on the light with Jack Blaine of New Bedford Light. And a reminder that uh, Chris and Marcus are coming up with South Coast now, and they have Senator Montigny coming out. Is he coming in the studio? So he'll... He'll be here in studio at 11, and he will be uh, talking more about this, this UMass situation. But I want to go back to the, to the city council for a moment where, you know, the, the question kind of came up after we talked to the counselors last week. And they had said that this question about the charter review, this motion, motion about putting the charter review question on the ballot, um, they were told by Attorney Garatowski that they couldn't put it on the ballot. They don't have that, that authority to do that. And Councilor Carney put that motion for. Wouldn't you think that she would have talk to the attorney first to see if that's something that could be done before writing the motion or sometimes they just put the motion out there and find out in real time that they can't do it you would think that wouldn't you um that it would seem logical to me i don't i don't know how busy Councilor carney was or 
uh, what other information she had. I mean, politically, I can see why. Uh, I think there were several counselors that I have my doubts as to whether they would ever vote for it. I think Councilor Abu said that he would put it on uh, the term limits. That, I think he said it on Chris and Marcus's show. In fact, um, I, I have I have my doubts on someone's show. I, I have my doubts that that you know what what counselors will do politically because they think oh well, well I don't want that group that wants term limits to be alienated from me. But what they will actually do in terms of voting for it, to put it on the ballot, are two different things. And so sometimes I think councils will put something on the agenda just for the, to get the benefit of having put it on the agenda, even knowing it's going to fail or even knowing it's, it, it has problems. Sure. Mar- Marcus, was it, was it that he said that he was going to put it on the ballot or was I know that he had said he wanted to have an investigation? No, uh, Councilor Abreu. He, he wasn't interested in putting it on the ballot. No, I know the only thing I... Yeah, he wanted to have a hearing about what had happened. Yeah. I know that part, yeah. So, I don't, yeah, I don't think he wanted to put it on the... Uh, on the ballot, but still, the 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 fact is, you know, yeah, you you think you would say, especially when you have you know forty five items on the agenda, why have one and have a discussion on one if it's well, just going to co- go nowhere? Councilor County uh, chairs the Appointments and Briefings Committee, which is known as the committee that uh, motions go to die, like you know, thinks that that they don't want to come back for two, three years. Uh, poor Carol Pimentel, when she was trying to get on the um, uh, Vogue Tech School Committee, languished there for like six months or, or so. Well, we are, uh, we're just about out of time for this hour. So, again, you'll be back here on Friday sitting in this chair. And I uh, hope everybody will call in and we'll talk with you. And um, I'll be in Michigan, so uh, I, don't, I don't know that I'll be listening. But uh, I, wish you, I wish you luck. I'll, I'll try to live up to your good work, Kim. It's not that hard. It's, you can surpass what I do very easily. <laughs> I doubt that. Uh, but, um, yeah, I will be out there and uh, be getting ready. I'm speaking at 9 a.m. and I'm getting in at 11 p.m. My flight gets in at 11 p.m. and then it takes like another hour to get to the casino from the. It's a, this whole thing is at a big casino, and uh, but I get to be on the same stage that Johnny Cash performed on. So there's that. You're the man. So, I I, I feel like I'm you know just as good as Johnny Cash, right? If that's the case. <laughs> All right, so that'll do it for me for today. Stay tuned for.